that love that will never need to hide Love will always rise above Now we're one with the sun over our heads And at night we'll be the stars Just be with me Just be with me Just be with me Uh, awesome. My name is Jody Hickerson, and it's so great to be back with the Parkview family. Really want to welcome all of our campuses, Orland Park, New Lenox, Homer Glen. Can we give it up for all of our campuses and those uh, watching online? Um, my name is Jody Hickerson. I'm a guest that gets to teach here from time to time, and I absolutely love getting to be a part of this place. I love this church. Um, if you are new to Parkview, like this is your first time, you need to know that this is a safe place to keep showing up. Like this is a place where no one is perfect, right? No one is perfect, anyone is welcome. Where we really believe around here that change is possible for every single one of us because there's hope for everyone through Jesus Christ. Like that's what we believe around here. And so man, welcome and just keep showing up and seeing what God just might do. I wanna talk today about a question that Jesus asked. You know, Jesus asked a lot of questions. But this one's been messing with me for a while. And you can tell a lot about a person by the questions they ask. I'm guessing if I checked out your most recent Google search, I could find out a few things about you, right? You could find out a few things about me. Actually, right before um, I came out to teach, I checked just like what was my most recent question I asked Google. And it was, what is the running time for Thor, Love and Thunder? Right? Anybody else Marvel fans? Like, if you're a Marvel fan, I'm such a Marvel nerd. Um, I love it. I love that. So we went and saw that movie. But, you know, maybe your search is one of the more common searches that happens every single day. It's the most popular questions that get asked thousands and thousands of times a day. Number one is, how do I lose weight? Like, we're still trying to figure that one out. Um, why won't my car start is another one. Or my personal favorite is, where is the nearest Starbucks? That's like one of the most popular questions um, asked to Google. And it might just be me. I'm like padding those stats. I'm always asking, where is the nearest Starbucks? But there's also some really bizarre questions that get asked that you're like, really? Like, who's asking this? thousands of times a day um, or thousands of times a month, they may surprise you, 49,500 times a month, someone is asking, how do I get home? Like, I don't know how they got where they're at, but they are like, I have no idea how do I get home? How do I get home? Um, does farting burn calories? 50,000 people are wondering that, you know? I don't know. Uh, why do men have nipples? 22,000 times a month, someone's asking that question. Um, do penguins have knees? 18,500 times a month. And now you're wondering, like me, do penguins have knees? I don't know. I'm gonna have to search that, right? Do pigs sweat? Like, I don't know why anyone needs to know this, but apparently 8,000 people a month are asking, do pigs sweat? Now, now here's the deal about Jesus. When he asked questions, man, they were profound questions. And he asked a lot of questions. And he asked questions not because he needed answers. He asked them because we do. And he's such a masterful question asker. He asked questions like, who do you say that I am? Questions like, why are you so afraid? Do you love me? Why do you point out the speck in your brother's eye while ignoring the plank in your own eye? 
What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? I mean, these are questions that depending on how we answer them are life changing for us. And so today, today I just wanna look at one of those questions from Jesus. One that I really believe reaches through 2,000 years of history and has the potential to change the way that we're living our lives and what God might do with our lives. We're gonna rewind um, back in history to a miracle that Jesus did. It's recorded in all four of the gospels, which are the biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, check those out. Um, But in this narrative, Jesus has been traveling with his crew I mean, he's teaching all over the place. He's making the religious leaders mad all the time. He's, he's begun healing people. And so he shows up to the shore of Galilee and this huge crowd is like showing up because they've heard about him. And they've heard about the miracles that he's done. And so they're running towards him. Jesus goes up on this little mountainside with his crew, his disciples, and he sits down. And it says, in starting in verse five of John six, when Jesus looked up and he saw a great crowd coming toward him, He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was gonna do. Isn't that just like Jesus? And Philip answered him, eight months wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. I mean, Philip is like stating the obvious. Like, there's no way. Like, Jesus, are you crazy? We can't feed all these people. Like, I know your heart's in the right place, and I would really love to feed them all too, but bro, like, there, there is no way. We cannot feed all these people. And then Jesus asked this question. It's actually found in Matthew's account of the story. He says, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? And you know Philip had to be thinking, not enough, <laughs> you know? Like, look at all of these people. <clears throat> I mean, you picture the scene. Here comes this huge crowd. It's not hundreds, it's thousands. And Jesus wants to feed them. It actually says he has compassion on them. He wants to meet a real practical need for some people who need some real hope. But it's absolutely impossible. And Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Anybody got anything I could work with here? And it says another one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter, spoke up and said, well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took those loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. It just keeps multiplying. And he did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are, get this, left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Like as Philip calculates, like, man, it's gonna take like eight months wages to feed everyone. Jesus says, well, how many loaves do you got? And Andrew speaks up with these powerful words. Here is a boy. Here's a boy. He's he's got five small barley loaves, two small fish. Like how far will it go among so many? I don't even know Andrew's tone, you know, when he says this because you get the kind of feeling that he's almost trying to just indulge the kid, you know, because he, he emphasizes the word small. He's like, well, here's a kid, you know, he's offering his lunch, you know, he's got five small loaves and two small fish, but you know, he offered, the kid offered, look, he got his happy meal. I don't know how far it's gonna go, but the kid offered. 
And then we watch as Jesus takes this small offering and feeds 5,000 people, over 5,000 people, and still has leftovers. And man, I love this story so much. I love this moment where Jesus feeds all of these people, brings real practical help and hope because of this little offering of a young boy who responded to the question, how many loaves do you have? And this kid just said, I got, I don't have much, but you can have what I got. You can have it all. And what's so interesting to me about this question that Jesus asked is that Jesus didn't really need this kid's lunch to make this miracle happen, right? <clears throat> this is Jesus. This is God with skin on. Jesus who was there at the creation of the world. Jesus who healed the lame and the sick and the blind. Jesus who walked on water. Jesus who raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus who himself raised from the dead. He did not need this kid's lunchable to make this thing happen. He could have just spoke some food into existence, you know, and it would have probably been Chick-fil-A, you know, for the first time. He's just like, he could have done that. Jesus didn't need this kid's lunch but this is the first thing I just want us to think about today when we think about this question 2,000 years later because this is still true. God wants to involve you in the miracle. He does. Like this beautiful thing about the work of God on earth is that we get to be part of his work. Like we get to be part of his story. We get to be a part of miracles, like literal miracles, bringing hope and help to other people, and I'm telling you, there is nothing like it when we live like that. And there are so many people in, the, in this world, maybe in this room, online, at a campus, maybe in this place, that just feel like they, they're, they're just looking for something, right? We're always looking for something to bring meaning to our life, some sort of thrill, you know, some, something that would fill us. We're looking for significance in our lives. And the truth is, we may find some temporary fixes. We may find some things that give us a rush for a while, but they don't last because here's where it's at. Where it's at is when we begin to know that we were made by God for God. When we begin to understand our identity that we have been made new in Christ Jesus. We start really believing that maybe there are adventures that he planned for us long ago. We start to experience being used by God in miraculous ways. We start feeling the rush of living beyond ourselves and the thrill of living freely and generously. Men, that's not a boring life. And it's so much bigger and it is so much better than anything we're chasing like temporary thrills or, or personal comfort. We were made for more than that. God invites us in to the miracle. He wants us to be part of the miracle. In the New Testament, the church is referred to as the body of Christ. You heard this? And like when, when a body is working healthy, every part of the body is contributing. Like every part of the body is saying, here's what I got. Here's what I got. Well, here's what I got. You can have what I got. That's how the church is referred to in the New Testament. Like look at this in Romans chapter 12. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, that's the church. We are many parts of one body, but we all belong to each other. In his grace, 
God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if he's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift to showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Like this is how God set it up, that we would all contribute that we would all with our individual parts take what we have to offer and offer it up to God and get to be a part of the miracle of bringing life and hope to, to thousands of people. And we need each other. First Corinthians goes on with this illustration. It says like, you know, we need each other. Like the foot can't say, should say to the hand because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Right, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We need each other. And every one of us has a part to play. Everybody has something to offer. Can we just say that word, everybody, wherever you're at, out loud? Ready? Everybody. Everybody. And anybody can be used by God in amazing ways. And I get it. I know some of you are thinking, man, not me. Like, I am not the, like, be used by God type. Like, I'm not even a church person. I don't have those kind of gifts. Like God wouldn't want what I've got. And I'm just telling you right now, that's not our God. And it's so far from the truth. Like what we see all throughout scripture, the actual story of God is that it's God's specialty to use the most unlikely people to accomplish his plan and be a part of the miracle. Noah got drunk and Abraham was too old. And Jacob was a liar and Joseph was abused and abandoned and Moses had a speech impediment and Gideon was afraid and Rahab was a prostitute and Jonah ran from God and John the Baptist was weird, right? And Martha worried too much and Matthew was a cheat and Paul persecuted the church and Peter denied knowing Jesus and Lazarus was already dead and God still said, you, I'm gonna use you. I'm gonna use your life to bring so much hope to other people. And I love that because that means I get in. That means you get in. That means we get in on this miracle. We were made for more and God wants to involve you in the miracle. How many loaves do you have? What do you got in your hand? What do you have to offer? We've all got something different. First Corinthians says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts but the same spirit is the source of them all. That's where you got it. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in us. I mean, maybe you've never thought about God wanting to use your life, involve you in his work. Maybe you haven't thought about the church being a body where we all contribute something. Maybe you've just, you know, thought it was a few professional Christians, right? That, or a few pastors that did the thing and then everybody else just shows up for an hour on Sunday. That's not it. God is way more brilliant than that. You see, what God set up was this plan to meet every need in every community. But it is only if every follower of Jesus, every man, every woman, every student, every kid knows, man, they've got something to offer. They've got this unique purpose. 
this unique gift, this invitation to live for more, and they offer it up. And then when that happens, every corner of our culture where we live and work and play and learn, those corners become places where miracles are happening in the lives of people. It's one of the things I love most about coming to Parkview. It's the stories I get to hear about how many of you are actually living like this. Like you are just giving God what you've got and it is making a difference. It's making a difference in the world. I mean, in this church family, there are electricians that are just burning bright out there and tattoo artists that are actually leaving a mark on people's souls and carpenters who are helping rebuild their buddies' lives and plumbers who are literally wade through the crap of life with each other. Teachers who are going beyond the classroom Musicians that are showing up, you know, with something different, some different kind of joy to every gig they play. Moms and dads who are relearning a different way and, and giving unconditional love to their kids that they never learned, but, but they're pouring it out. And I mean, on and on, it's amazing. Not to mention what happens around the campuses, right? I mean, care team volunteers and marriage mentors and kids and student um, volunteers investing in the next generation and and people working at Connection Point and making it welcoming and greeters and people who are making coffee, like hallelujah for the coffee makers, right? And production team members and band members. I mean, it's almost like this was God's idea that we all have a part to play. Listen, God wants to involve you in the miracle of bringing life and hope to other people. And you may think it's small, like this kid, or insignificant or not worth mentioning at all, but here's the second thing I just want us to think about today with this question. What we see in this story is what we place in the hands of God matters. It matters. In fact, what we place in the hands of God multiplies. That's what we see. You may think it is so small and you don't have much to offer, but what we place in the hands of God multiplies. When we give what we've got to God, it goes beyond what is possible. It multiplies, it spreads, it grows. And there's even extra, right, that's not gonna go to waste. Ephesians chapter three says it this way, now unto him who by the power who is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do, get this, super abundantly far over and above all, we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. Like when we say, okay, here it is. Here it is. Here's my money. Here's my time. Here's my resources. Here's this little skill I got. There's this little hobby I think I might be. Here it is, God. We place it in his hands. He will do more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine to bring hope to other people. Two small fish, five small loaves. Jesus said, I'm about to feed all these people. What we place in the hands of God multiplies. It doesn't make sense. It's like God math. It's like kingdom math, but man, I have seen it over and over and over again. And living life like that, man, that's where it's at. Proverbs puts it so poetically when it says, the world of the generous get larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And y'all, that's just true. 
the more generous we are with what we have, the more we offer who we are and what we have into the hands of God, the more our world expands and we can't even believe what God is doing. But the more we hold on, the more we become so self-focused and we just get about chasing our own fulfillment. And listen, by the way, generous has nothing to do with how much you make, right? Generous is a heart thing. I mean, you think about this kid. Jesus just asked, he threw the question out there, how many loaves do you have? I'm sure somebody else had packed a lunch that day. Over 5,000 people, you think somebody else had packed a lunch, but it was this kid who got to be part of the miracle because he said, you can have what I've got. You can have what I've got. And just a side note, if there's any students around campuses today, I just want you to know, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. You have something to offer now. Place your life in the hands of God now and watch what he's gonna do with your life. I'm kind of a sports nut. Um, Some of you may know that about me. I love college basketball. I grew up um, in the state of Kentucky, so I'm one of those obnoxious like college basketball fans. I absolutely love um, Kentucky college basketball. I'm also a soccer mom. I'm like getting texts right now, updates on the game today. I'm a baseball aunt. Man, that's a slow sport, but I love it because they're my nieces and nephews and I get to go out there and watch them play. But I'm I'm such a sports nut. Um, But think about this for a minute. This baseball, this baseball in my hand, I mean, it's like 14 bucks, right? You put this baseball in the hands of Clayton Kershaw. Sorry, I'm from California. (laughs) It's $31 million a year just by putting it in his hands. This basketball, in my hands, $25.99. Put this basketball in the hands of LeBron James, that's $39 million a year. This golf club, which I'm not even gonna pretend to know anything about. (laughs) It might lose value in my hands, actually. This golf club, you know, in my hands, maybe it was 150 bucks. Put in the hands of like Tiger Woods, it's over a career, $1.6 billion. Just telling you today with this question, if you think about it, your life, your gifts, your time, your resources, what you've got, and in your hands, It's so much different than when you place it in God's hands and watch what he can do with it. Two small fish, five small loaves and that kid's hands, that's lunch. In Jesus' hands, it's a miracle. So take your life, take your life and answer this question and go, man, I don't know if I've got much, but you can have it all. God, you can have it all. You know, that question from Jesus got me thinking about a different question. I just started thinking, man, what if we did this? Like literally, what if we started living this way? We, we responded to this question by saying, here's what I got, God, you can have it all. And we watched him multiply it. Like, what if? That's the question it got me thinking about. What if we did? What if we did offer all that we have into the hands of God? What if we all got to be part of the miracle of bringing life and hope to other people? What if? What if we, the church, like all of us, 
began to live a little dangerous, came out from hiding behind the brush and allowed God to light a flame in us, what if? What if we began a revolution? Didn't back down from persecution, but became a part of the solution got in the business of the distribution of love, grace, mercy, that our grips would loosen, what if? What if we knew what God said? Let his word wrap around our hearts and our head more than words on a page collecting dust unread. Instead, we live like this book was alive and not dead. What if? What if our churches were thriving? People who release no depriving, no striving, more than just surviving, but rising up to give, serve, invest, care, guide, to set aside our pride, to decide to abide, to walk beside a place where people confide and where love is supplied and where grace will preside. Man, what if, what if you're 12, 14, 16, 20, but you live with a courage unlike many, possess valor, boldness, and faith plenty. Let God write your story from the beginning. Just hand him the pen and let him start pinning all the some days I'll be. They're phony and fleeting. You are worthy now and your life has meaning. Man, what if? What if we unleashed compassion? Like flung our faith into action and opened our homes, our wallets, our doors to the lonely, the outcast, the hurting, the poor. We gave to each other and didn't keep score. Humbled ourselves so that someone could soar, proclaim the goodness of God like never before. What if? Man, what if our what ifs were more than just words that we say? More than just a game we play? What if we didn't stray or sway or live our lives in shades of gray? What if instead today we pray, God, we're yours? have your way, I think he would do more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you. I thank you that you invite us to be a part of the miracle. God, I thank you you've created us for more than just striving for personal comfort in this life. But God, we get to be a part of saying yes to the invitation of bringing life and hope to other people. Thank you, God, for that privilege. And thank you that it's not up to us, but that you have created us. And when we surrender and offer that back to you, you do more than we could ever ask or imagine. God, would you move in our hearts today and move us to give to you all that we have in Jesus' name.